Heavenly Father, we ask that you would send the Holy Spirit to us now and teach us your decrees so that we will praise you all the more. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning we pick up again our series in the book of Philippians, and we've been looking at how the Apostle Paul has been encouraging the church in Philippi to be unified, to be one in spirit, as encouraged in verse 27 of chapter 1, where uh, he stops speaking about himself and starts to speak about the church and how they should behave. He says um, that, then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. And then he is given instructions as to how they are to uh, stand as one man. And one of the great principles, if you're going to stand together, is to be humble. And so he's been encouraging the people to have a spirit of humility and to follow the example of Christ. We see in verse 3, do nothing out of, this is chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. And then in verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And then he gives that wonderful hymn, of the example of the Lord Jesus Christ who took on flesh and then was uh, crucified. He even died the death of uh, the, the cursed death of a cross. And then last time we looked at this passage together, uh, this book together, we looked at verse 12 and how we're meant to work out our salvation with fear and trembling because it is God who works in us. And so the idea of humility comes therefore again uh, before us, that if we are to work, it is with the work of the Lord in, in, in us. And so it is he who works in us. And so this morning we continue to look at verses 14, 15 and 16 and the manner of the work that God does in us. So in verse 12 uh, he says that uh, we should work uh, out our salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it is God who works in us in verse 13. And then in verse 14 he tells us the manner by which we should do this work. Verse 14, do everything without complaining or arguing. We are meant to work for the Lord. And how are we meant to do this work? Well, we're meant to do the work without complaining or arguing. Christians are meant to do their works, their good works that the Lord has given them, without complaining, without grumbling. Uh, the word translated here, it could be translated as a sort of a low tone of voice, a whispering, uh, murmuring under our breath, or maybe even just in our mind, this sort of complaining. You're doing your work but all the time you're sort of muttering to yourself that it's, it's work that you're not particularly enjoying, you're unhappy doing it, but you will do it. But the Lord says, do not do your work with complaining, with grumbling. And also, to do it without arguing. In verse 14, do everything without complaining or arguing. And this word can mean, this Greek word there, can mean discussions, but it can also mean negatively just quarrelling, uh, fighting with one another. And so this means that you're not to be a person who's always picking fights. Some people seem to love controversy, controversy. Um, they love to have a, a fight with someone. They're always picking fights and arguments. As soon as you open your mouth, they're looking for something they can grab and fight with you about. If you send a one-line SMS or email, they send you an essay back. They find things all the time to fight with you about. They're like the Pharisees with the Lord Jesus, always watching his words, seeing what they can grab and then pick on him because of what he said. And they don't like agreeable conversations. They don't like conversations where we're all agreeing with one another and we're talking about the things that are good and encouraging. No, no, no. Wanting to find fault with one another. And it also means that if we're not to be ones who argue, it means that we're not to be drawn in to such arguments. There are people out there who, who are always trying to find fault with one another, but there are also those people who don't necessarily look for the arguments... But if you 
push their buttons rightly, they'll be drawn into the fight. If you push the right buttons or push enough buttons, they will respond, they react. And so they don't pick the fights, but they certainly react when drawn into a fight. Now, in what circumstances are we not to complain? Are we not to argue with one another? Well, verse 14 says it's in everything. Verse 14, do everything without complaining or arguing. It's not a case of some circumstances you're not allowed to complain in, and then others you're quite free to complain, or you're not allowed to argue in these situations, but in in these situations it's okay to argue. No, in everything we do, we're not supposed to complain, we're not supposed to argue. Why? Well, I think the Lord gives us a reason in verse 15. Verse 15, so that you may become blameless and pure Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. There's a number of reasons given there as to why we shouldn't complain, why we shouldn't argue. Uh, Firstly, of course, then we'll be blameless and pure. But I love this connection that is made here in verse 15 with being a child of God. Being a child of God. Generally speaking, if you consider children of bad parents at a birthday party... How will they behave? Think of children at a birthday party and they've got bad parents. Well, those children are the ones that complain. They complain that they don't like the cake. They complain that their juice is too warm. You put ice in it, they complain it's too cold. They complain that they don't like purple balloons, they wanted a blue balloon. They complain that they don't like the games that are being played. And they certainly complain if they're encouraged and even forced to help tidy up afterwards. What else do children of bad parents do at a birthday party? They're the ones who get into fights. Maybe not fisticuffs, but they certainly get into arguments with other children. He took my drink. He bumped into me. He won the game. He called me a name. They're always taking offence with those around them. Whereas children of good parents at a birthday party, how do they behave? Well, they don't complain. Instead, they compliment the food. They compliment the cake. They compliment the drinks. They compliment the balloons and other decorations. They're quite happy to get involved with the activities. And they're quite happy to help without grumbling. They're happy to help tidy up, help take out some things, help bring some dirty dishes back in. They're quite happy to be involved in helping And what is the result of such children? Well, they shine like stars in the universe. Verse 15 says, So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. Particularly if the rest of the children at the birthday party are wicked and depraved children, the children who don't complain, who don't argue, they shine like stars amongst those other children. And what is the result then? What does such shining do? Well, it gives glory to the children somewhat, but also glory back to the parents for raising the children well. What does the host parent say when mum and dad come to pick up their child from the birthday party? They say, oh, little Johnny was a pleasure to have. It was a pleasure to have him here. And so glory goes to the parents. But you might say, but doesn't the child bear responsibility for their behaviour? It's not really the parent's fault, is it, if the child is badly behaved? Well, I mean, the child does have some responsibility to bear. But generally speaking, why doesn't a child of good parents complain or argue? 
Why doesn't a child of good parents complain or argue? Well, isn't it because a child with bad parents at a birthday party is complaining and arguing because he's trying to get what he can? He is not satisfied in life. He thinks that if I'll complain, I'll get what I want. If I argue, I'll be better than others and get them to do what I want. And why is that? Because he doesn't trust his parents to provide for him. He's not satisfied with his parents' care. So he's got into the habit of complaining and arguing in order to make up what is lacking from his parents. Whereas a child of, a good, uh, child of good parents, why doesn't he complain? Why doesn't he grumble? Why doesn't he argue? Well, because he is content. He is happy with his parents' care. He doesn't have to complain and argue in order to get his needs met. He knows that things will be okay. Things will be okay today and things will be okay tomorrow. Tomorrow will be a good day because my parents will be there to look after me. He doesn't have what is called FOMO, isn't it? Fear of missing out. Children of bad parents have FOMO. They're fearing missing out all the time because they're not sure if dad or mum will care for what I, I need. They'll care for me. Whereas children of good parents know that everything will be okay. I'm not missing out. I have parents who look after me and will give me what I need. And it's the same for us as we move about this world as Christians, isn't it? How so? Well, we as Christians are meant to be the good kids in every circumstance. We're meant to be the good kids in every circumstance. And what does that look like? Well, it means that we don't complain about what the Father, our Heavenly Father, has brought into our lives or what he hasn't brought into our lives. We don't complain about it. And we don't pick fights or get drawn into fights as we go about our work because we don't need to make others do what we want by fighting because we are content and it doesn't matter where we are we don't complain and we don't argue whether it's in the home we don't complain about our chores we don't argue with our spouses with our siblings with our parents in workplace, we don't complain about our work. We don't argue with the boss and with colleagues. In the neighbourhood, we won't complain about where the neighbour parks his car. I've heard of this, where someone is just outraged that the next-door neighbour parks their car in front of their house rather than in front of their own house. There's a perfectly good spot outside the neighbour's house. He refuses to park his car there. He always parks it in front of their house. And they have an altercation with the neighbour over this. Obviously, these people don't live in Dremoyne, where I'm just happy to get a park that's anywhere near my house, let alone out front of the house. But a Christian in such circumstances lets it go. It's not a big deal. They're happy in the neighbourhood to wait in line behind others rather than grumble and complain. And at church, the Christian, the child of God, doesn't complain about the pews, the coffee... The brethren there, brothers and sisters in Christ, leaders, newcomers, they won't start or be drawn into heated theological arguments, particularly about tertiary matters that are of not great consequence. They aren't drawn into them. And what is the result of the Christians in the world then? We shine like stars, like lights in the universe, in a crooked and depraved generation that's always complaining and grumbling and arguing. The Christians stand out as little stars. And what does that do? Well, it gives glory back to the Father. It gives glory back to the Father for looking after us so well. Just like the stars in the sky 
Give glory to God. We saw that in Psalm 19, the psalm that we opened the service with. That's the heavens declare the glories of God. So his people, his children, give glory to him as they shine, as they shine amongst a crooked and depraved generation. But why don't we complain? Why don't we argue as God's children? Well, it's because we are contented. We are contented with the life the Father gives us now. We have a life. And we even see that in the text, in verse 16. As you hold out the word of life, or as you hold on to the word of life, that could be translated. We have the gospel. We have the word of life. We have a life. We have life eternally. And so we are content. We have all things in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. The Christian has every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And so what does a Christian know? The Christian knows that every day will be a good day. Every day will be a good day because his father loves him today. His father will love him tomorrow and the day after and the day after. And how does he know that the father will continue to love him? Because the father has given him his only son. If God has given us his son, how will he not along with him give us all things? That's what the Christian knows. And so, of course... Tomorrow will be a good day. And so what does a Christian look like? What is his work characterised by as he goes about his life? What's the manner? Well, it's by joy rather than complaining. It's with peace rather than arguments that he lives his life. And this is all because he doesn't have FOMO. He doesn't have a fear of missing out. Why? Because he knows he hasn't missed out. He hasn't missed out because he has Christ Jesus. He has all things in Christ. And so he doesn't have to complain to get what he needs. He doesn't have to argue in order to get what he needs because he has all he needs. And what he doesn't have, the Lord will provide for him if he really needs it. So if I have to wait in line, it's okay. I can wait in line. Obviously, God wants me to wait in line today. If I have to do some extra work today, well, it's okay. Obviously, my father thinks that it's best for me to do some extra work today. So I won't complain, I won't argue, I'll get stuck into it. Which means if we do complain, and we do argue as Christians in this world, what does that do? It gives our Heavenly Father a bad name. It gives our Heavenly Father a bad name. How? Well, grumbling children imply that our Heavenly Father does not satisfy his children. Our Heavenly Father does not satisfy his children. Just like that, those children in the birthday party, they're grumbling and complaining and arguing. They're giving their parents a bad name, as well as themselves, by their grumbling and their complaining. They're giving their parents a bad name because it makes it look like these parents, they don't look after their children very well. And that's what we're doing with our Heavenly Father when we grumble when we complain, when we argue. And it's shown in the Old Testament by the way that the people of God grumbled and complained. The people of Israel reflected back on their Heavenly Father. What did Israel grumble about? 
Well, we saw some of it in Psalm 106, which we had read for us earlier. They complained about food. They complained about water. They complained about their living conditions in the desert. They complained about their enemies. They complained about their leaders, Moses and Aaron. Well, why shouldn't Israel have grumbled? Why shouldn't they have complained? God had looked after them so well. He'd saved them from slavery in Egypt. He provided food from heaven, water from rocks. He provided them humble leaders in Moses. He'd led them to the promised land. And yet they complained and grumbled. An example is given in Numbers 11, verse 4 and 5 as to what they complained about. It says, The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, Israelites started wailing and said, If only we had meat to eat. Remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also, the cucumbers, the melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. The Israelites were complaining, complaining they didn't have their seafood anymore, complaining they didn't have their onions, their cucumbers. I don't know how many of you complain if you don't get a cucumber. No cucumber sandwiches for lunch, dear. There were none at the markets. Is it really worth complaining about when we've got so many other good things provided by the Lord to eat? So if we complain and argue to get what we want, we're giving our father a bad name. We're saying he's not a good heavenly father. He doesn't provide us with good food to eat. He doesn't provide us with good drinks to drink. He doesn't provide us with good work to do. And if we can continue to complain, And we continue to argue with others, getting into fights all the time. It may be showing something far far worse. And what is that? It may be showing that you're actually Satan's child rather than God's child. 1 John 3.10 says, This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. If you're not doing what is right, and God tells us what is right to do here, and you do not love your brother, you're always arguing with your brother, you're always complaining about your brother, this is how we know that you're a child of the devil. Why do Satan's children complain and fight? Well, they're still trying to get a life. They're still trying to get a life. Now and for eternity. They complain and they grumble because they're still trying to get some sort of satisfaction in this world and into the next if they can. They have FOMO, fear of missing out. And that's why they're always complaining and grumbling. They think if they can get the drinks, they can get the right cake, they can get the right balloon, if they can avoid helping, they will be happy. But are Satan's children happy? Never. Some of the most depressed people in the world are the richest and laziest people. Why? Father Satan doesn't satisfy. He's sold them a lie that they can be happy by rejecting God as father and by rejecting his ways. They will be happy, but it's not true. And what happens to Satan's children one day? Well, they're destroyed in the judgment of God. Jude verse 14 and 16 says, uh, 14 to 16 says, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts they have done in the ungodly way, and of all the harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. 
These men are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. Grumblers and fault finders, what happens to them? They're judged on the last day and destroyed for all eternity. Is there any chance that your persistent complaining and arguing actually reflects that you're Satan's child? You're a child of the devil rather than God's child as you may claim to be. If that's a possibility for you now, listen to God's word. Listen to the word of life now. Come to the Father. Come to the Father through Jesus the Son and ask for forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness from him. Ask for forgiveness for all your sin, including your complaining and your arguing, your fault-finding and your grumbling. Ask for forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Believe that in Christ there is life. Life now and life eternally. Receive it now rather than eternal destruction which you deserve for your sin. Children here this morning too, don't let this warning pass you by. It's great that you've got parents, earthly parents, but have the Heavenly Father as your parent as well. Come to him. Come to Jesus Christ. Come and trust in him and have forgiveness for your sins and experience a life of joy. It's horrible to go through life complaining and grumbling and arguing and fighting with others, being a fault finder. It doesn't satisfy. Come to Christ now and experience the satisfaction that he gives so you don't need to complain. You don't need to grumble. You don't need to argue with others because you're content in him. And if you are a Christian and you're conscious this morning of your complaining, your grumbling and your arguing, even in this last week, it's very hard for me to prepare this sermon because I was very conscious of the complaining and grumbling going on in my mind, even in this week or in the week before. And I kept saying to my wife, I'd start the conversation, they'd say, ah, but my sermon is on don't complain, don't argue. So I better stop talking now. It's very hard. So how do we become better at this? How do we become better at stopping complaining and arguing? Do, doing what verse 14 says, do everything without complaining or arguing. How do we become better at this? Well, it's by rejoicing in the riches that we have in Christ Jesus. By meditating more and more on the care that the Father has given to us. And as we think about his love for us and all he has done for us, then whatever we're upset about, whatever we don't have, or whatever we do have that we don't like, it pales. And we don't need to complain. We don't need to argue anymore because we're so conscious of the immense love that the Lord has poured out upon us in Christ Jesus. Sometimes the times that we really complain are in the middle of the night. When you wake up in the night and you just keep on going round and round in your head, grumbling about whatever someone did to you and playing out the arguments in your head as to how you will confront them tomorrow, what you'll say in a text message, what you'll send them in an email, what you'll do if you get to talk to them face to face. You play out the conversation. What do you do in such situations? In the middle of the night, when the murmuring is there, going on, not verbally, but in your mind, how do you sleep without complaining and arguing? 
Well, one of the things that I've taken to doing lately is to sing How Great Thou Art, the great hymn, How Great Thou Art, in my head. I've memorised it, and so I can sing it in my mind. And what happens? Well, I'm usually asleep by the fourth verse. I'm usually asleep by the fourth verse, which says, When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation, what joy shall fill my heart. Why am I asleep? Because joy has already filled my heart. As I've sung again and again in my mind how great thou art, as I've considered creation, as I've considered the redemption that I have in Christ Jesus, that God, his son not sparing, scarce can take it in. And so, of course, joy has filled my heart as I've considered creation, I've considered what he does each day for me, as I've considered the redemption I have in Christ Jesus. And so I fall asleep. And the next day, I don't respond to that text message. I don't bother confronting the person about the way they treated me. It all slips away because I'm so conscious of the joy that has filled my heart because of what God has given me. And what then happens? Well, if you do things like that, if you meditate upon God's goodness to you, well, then you will shine like stars in a wicked and depraved generation. You go out amongst the world, people are always grumbling, complaining, arguing, fighting, even violently fighting. Whereas if a Christian doesn't get drawn into the fights, doesn't pick the fights, doesn't even grumble or complain, stands out so well and therefore gives God glory, magnifies the work of God as a God who satisfies his children. If we meditate upon God and how wonderful he is, then of course we'll do everything without complaining or arguing and therefore we will become blameless and pure children of God, without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which we shine like stars in the universe as we hold out the word of life. Let's come to God in prayer. Let's speak with him now. Heavenly Father, we praise you as a father who satisfies completely your children. Oh Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, through whom we have all things. Every spiritual blessing is ours. But Lord, we ask that you would forgive us for our complaining and our arguing, which has brought disgrace upon your name. Help us, O God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to remember what we have in Christ Jesus, so that we are joyful and peaceful and give honour to you as a good and loving Father. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.